0: This podcast replay is brought to you by RedRecover.com. From NFL stars like Hayden Hurst to daily warriors like yourself, their wraps and pads are designed to deliver maximum benefits with each treatment anywhere you go. And welcome back into our all-star break edition of RedRecover.com Inside the Paint. I'm Ira Winderman from the South Florida Sun Sentinel here in Fort Lauderdale. He's Kurt Healan from Pro Basketball Talk, NBCSports.com. Out in the Los Angeles area, Kurt. We get to take an exhale this week. No games. Don't have to worry about what happened last night. Not wondering what happens tonight. But but get a reset on the league. And we're going to get into All-Star Game maybe a little bit later. Again, it's All-Star Game. I want to get to the news of the day. But I want to start with the buyout market and impacts on teams. And it's really interesting. This is the classic example about how one team's junk could be perceived as another team's treasure, usually out of desperation, out of who a player used to be on the buyout market. And sort of what they think that the player might resurrect his career or not. So I want to start at home here with the Miami Heat and what they did. They traded Dwayne Dedman to open two roster spots. They filled one with Kevin Love. Everyone knows who Kevin Love is. Everyone knows he's a champion. What he's done was pushing Tyler Hero last season for the NBA Sixth Man Award. And then out of nowhere, you've seen him a little bit more. He played in Portland last season. Cody Zeller for another big man to at least get another big body in there. I'm not going to rate and go through that. I know, Kurt, you do that more pro basketball talk. But just to talk about what the Heat added. When you look from afar and you say, okay, the Miami Heat are in seventh place in the East, half a game out of a regular playoff spot, competitive all the way up to the number five seed with New York and with Brooklyn. When you saw the Heat's moves, what was your reaction, Kurt Heelan?
1: Cody's a nice addition. He's fine. But I thought Kevin Love was probably the best addition of any team the all-star break i mean at the at the buyout market just because he can still play a little he's he's taken a step back from even where he was last year like you said it was finished second in six man of the year voting if i remember correctly Uh, a distant second but a second um but he's still got a lot to contribute he just had fallen out of the rotation with all the young guys and bodies they had in in cleveland i think in a limited role here look he doesn't bring pj tucker's defense. But he brings shooting, floor spacing, good – still a very good passer, still a very good rebounder, slat, and outlet passer. Like, I just think his veteran presence – I just think culturally he fits, too. He's just going to walk in the locker room and be able to play. And I I, I think, like I said, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of these teams pick up guys thinking, ah, oh, you know, if we can just get him to play like his old self a little or if we can fit – player into this box that he doesn't really fit into anymore. But Love, Love can still play. He's still looking for, he just wants minutes. He wants a role and Miami can give it to him. So I think it's a great pickup.
0: Yeah. After the trades were done and we saw who fits, who doesn't fit in, who might be an expiring contract. The original name I went out and looked at and they said, Dario Saric would be the perfect heat buyout market guy. If they can get him. big body outside shooter, yeah. stretch four, maybe play with bam, maybe replace bam. The Thunder actually are good, and they're going to keep Dario, and they're going to make their playoff or at least play and push, and they certainly yeah. are right there. He didn't shake free. So I guess for a plan B, outside stretch four, maybe backup center, I could see how it makes sense. I certainly can see the Heat um, hiding Kevin Love in their zone defense. They play more zone yeah. defense than really, I think, any by the end of the season. It an, it statistically
1: is, than anybody, yeah. it's pretty. Yeah, it's so, so by the end of the season,
0: out. he might fit in there. I mean, they've certainly already tried to hide the likes of Duncan Robinson, Max Strus and some others, and have found a degree of success with that. So I can see that also. The problem is he had the thumb injury early in the season. His three-point shooting went down. So is he healed and he's back to the three-point shooter? Or is it just another guy who keeps this Miami Heat three-point shooting percentage way down this season? So we'll get a read on that. can understand that. Cody Zeller sort of caught me by surprise. So I called a friend who's a scout in another team, and they said, look, we had him in for a workout. He looked good. He's NBA ready to go right now. He's in condition. He's kept himself in shape. He's sort of the big body you guys didn't have behind Bam Adebayo when Dwayne Wade – Dwayne Wade, I wish. When Dwayne Dedman was out (laughs) with his foot injury and then his play that fell off. But I got to ask you, Kurt, because I know you put together a list of buyout guys. You ranked them. You said who's available. We mentioned guys who weren't in the league this year could still be signed. Honestly, Kurt, was there anything in Pro Basketball Talk at NBCSports.com – that had you put Cody Zeller on your list of available possible buy-up market guys?
1: No, I I didn't expect it at all. You're right. I think it was a surprise to a lot of people, but I also think, like you said, for the role he's being asked to play, if he's in shape and focused, he's perfectly fine. Like he's not going to be asked, Bam's the center, right? You're asking for, during the regular season, some rest minutes, and then possibly when you get to the playoffs and you run into a Joel Embiid or a Brooke Brook Lopez where you're going to want a true big body out there for stretches, you can be that guy. Like, I actually think the fit's pretty good. And I, But, no, he wasn't on any list. I didn't see this one coming.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised by it. I'm going to fill people in here a little bit. The Heat and Andy Ellisberg, who's as sharp as this as anyone. By the way, if you want to, you can chime in on our chat board or YouTube chat board So give us your thoughts on what you think about the buyouts. Maybe the direction you thought the Heat could have gone. I'll read some of the comments in a little while, so we'll get to that also. The Heat still have the ability to cra- carve out one more roster spot under the luxury tax. Andy Ellisberg, who's a wizard this kind of stuff, the Heat's general manager, decided he would pay Kevin Love out of his biannual exception, gave him $3.1 million. The reason for that was the biannual exception could only be used when you're below – the, the um, luxury tax threshold, the hard cap threshold, the apron. The Heat will not be that in the offseason once Tyler Hero's extension kicks in, is added to Bam Adebayo's deal, is added to Kyle Lowry's deal, is added to Duncan Robinson's deal. So because of that, they couldn't use their biannually. They could use it once every other year as the name signifies. So they put it on that. What they did is they, set, they saved the remainder of their mid-level exception. They gave a portion of it to Caleb Martin. They still have about a $4 million chunk left. That can be offered for up to four years. Most often it's offered for three years. What the Heat can do with that now is cut a player on the current roster, bring in another player, if it's a veteran, just sign him to the money, whatever he wants. If it's a prospect, they can craft a three-year contract, not fully guaranteed, and have the player in their program. That's what they did last season with Hayward Highsmith is they gave him that three-year deal, which has annual guarantee dates. So there's a bunch of directions that the Heat can still go with this. The Heat, at the end of the year, should they craft the roster space, which they would need for that extra exception money, can take the two-way contracts of Orlando Robinson and Jamal Cain, convert them to a standard deal, make those players playoff eligible, and lock in those players in their program like they did with Hayward Highsmith for one or two more additional years and sort of have them there with the players saying, you know what? If I can get $5 million guaranteed, it's more than I had in a two-way, I can do that. They could also find an outside player who's excelling in the G League. That's what they did four years ago with Kendrick Nunn. When they waived Rodney Magruder two days before the end of the season, and on the last day of the season, they brought in Kendrick Nunn for that kind of contract. That's an option. The other option is this. They could simply give Cody Zeller a tryout. And after they have him on the roster for a month, go yep, we don't need him, or he's not what we thought, can cut him and bring in another player as long as he was waived by a team by March 1st and make, make that player playoff eligible. So the other part of this equation is, well, Ira, you said we have a full 15. We don't have a roster spot. Obviously, you can cut Udonis Haslem, but that's not going to happen because he's the person for life. couple of things. One, if Cody Zeller doesn't work out, roster spot still can offer the contract. Two, it seems to me that Cody Zeller is going to be competing for time with Omar Yurtsevin, who hasn't played this season, is coming off a November ankle surgery. If Cody Zeller beats out Omar Yurtsevin, and Omar Yurtsevin is not what people thought, they can always cut Omar Yurtsevin and bring in Orlando Robinson on a longer-term deal and have a backup center available, Omar Yurtsevin is going to be a free agent. Or honestly, they could cut Hayward Highsmith, who's been getting minutes because he's been an undersized big man the Heat could wind up cutting Hayward Highsmith and do that also. So the Heat aren't done. The only rule is this: if you were on an NBA roster this season, you must have been waived by March 1st to be playoff eligible. If you're not on an NBA roster this season, or or have already been cut, sure. player like Demarcus Cousins, player like Dwight Howard coming back from overseas, player like Cody Zeller was, who wasn't on a roster, you can get signed anytime to the last day of the season and become playoff eligible. So basically the Heat not only set themselves up with their maximum of two additions, they left open the spot for another one, which brings me to this. There's always questions about whether your team acted in haste or not. There's some consternation right now. The Sixers went out, they signed Dwayne Deadman after he was cut by the Sixers. Yesterday, Chicago cut Tony Bradley, a nice prospect for a big man who might've been a better fit long-term for Philly. Philly fans are Why wide, you're rushing to Dwayne Dedman. Yesterday, the Washington Wizards agreed with a Will Barton buyout, and he's available. He's a name I like for the Heat. I think the Heat bench scoring last in offense in the league by points per game, fourth worst by offensive rating, might use another player. A player like that becomes available. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Kurt Heal, because you do all your lists, and everyone should go to Pro Basketball Talk. Is there anyone still out there on the buyout market besides a Will Barton who you see out there, because they move quick. I mean, RJ Hampton got cut yesterday by Orlando, signed today by Detroit. The teams know who they are. Do you think we've pretty much settled down except for Will Barton on the buyout market and sort of, okay, trading deadline, February 9th. Buyout deadline seems to be done by about February 22nd. Do you think mostly the buyout market has settled? Do you think Utah might set another player or two free? Or do you think teams have sort of indicated – we got who we have, we want right now, the Patrick Beverly move, the Russell Westbrook yeah. move that was settled in. So to give me your state of the buyout market from a Heat perspective and league-wide perspective.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're going to get anybody on the buyout market left who is of outside of Will Barton who can actually help you. I think that there's, there's always some end of the roster juggling, kind of like you talked about, like, hey, this guy hasn't really worked out for us. If we wave him, cut him, We can bring in another prospect. There's teams looking at that kind of 14th, 15th guy on the roster, convert a two-way guy they like. It's that kind of stuff. There's the Will Barton's the only guy left out there who I think could see serious minutes the rest – well, I mean, uh, serious minutes with a decent team the rest of the season and potentially actually help a team in the playoffs. Everybody else, I think it's just end of the bench. I don't think there's another name player out there now that – the. Like you said, the Beverly's and the Westbrook's are off the board.
0: You know, I could see a team like a Detroit maybe with a Corey Joseph or just when they get worse and worser, that a veteran might go, whoa, it's almost March 1st here. You know, get me out of here. We are going nowhere. You brought in an R.J. Hampton. We're going younger. Give me a chance. Nurlands, Noel is another guy who's been mentioned. Maybe, maybe one of your bigs gets hurt. Maybe Cody Zeller. Honestly, by March 1st, you know, we're still talking a week. They look at Cody Zeller and go, whoa, now I know why this guy wasn't in the league. And they do make another move. So there could be some ancillary moves. That's why I like how the Heat gave themselves flexibility under the tax. They could still make another move. Um, There's one more out there. I know at some point in your career, you're just riding the wave. And you might as well be in the location you want with the coach you want. There used to be a player in the NBA who at one point was a fantastic rookie, uh, MVP candidate, had some great seasons in another city and now disappears. So, I don't know if you're as familiar with his name. I don't mean to put you on the spot, Kurt. Is Derek Rose just going to fade into the sunset uh, in New York? And just, I know you were, for a second, you were like, where the hell is he going? What am I going <laughs> to have to think of? Is Derek Rose just going to fade into the sunset? I thought he was a possible buyout guy also. There was a little of
1: that, but he has such a great relationship with Tibbs still, even though he's, um, kind of out of the rotation, really not playing in New York much. Um, I don't know that he's, I don't know that he's looking to move on. I don't know that he's looking unless without a Patrick Beverly return home to Chicago kind of situation. And Beverly's just better than Rose right now. um, I don't know that he would leave that situation, but maybe, I mean, maybe if he thought there were minutes, if, if it seemed more like, like the heat or someone else said, Hey, come here and there's minutes and, you know, on a team like my, the Knicks are headed to the postseason. If he could get minutes on a team that was headed to the postseason, he'd consider it. But he's also fallen out of Tom Thibodeau's rotation, right, which is a sign coach. that,
0: yeah,
1: yeah like Tom him. Thibodeau loves him and he's not playing him, which, which kind of a sign.
0: Yeah. No. And Vic goes in the chat on the chat board here, and he says Rose already said he wants to mentor the young guys in New York. I got to be honest. Yeah. That's what you say when you're not playing. That's yeah, how you exactly. try to sort of, you know, put, put lipstick on, you know, the situation you're in right now because you're not going to get the chance. You might as well say you're going to mentor just like Udonis Haslam does, just like because you know you're not going to get in the rotation. And it is interesting. Yeah. For anyone who thought that he'd actually had faith that UD could play and be a factor, they would not have added all these big men. I mean, let's be candid. We love UD. He went to All Star Weekend with his children because he wanted to celebrate yep. his final season. We know this is the end game, but this tells you all you need to know. Eric Spolstra can tell you all you want. I have all the confidence in the world to put UD in there. I know we can still get it done. Well, you don't go out and add a Cody Zeller then, and add a Kevin Love, and know that an Omar Yurtsevin is coming back if you actually saw that. So that really does become the placeholder roster spot. So I wanted to get you in this first segment. I got to fill in a feeling I'll bleed into the second. Some thoughts on some of the other buyout guys. There was a lot of interest down here from fandom about Russell Westbrook. I can tell you there was almost no interest from the front office here, Miami Heat, with Russell Westbrook. I know we've seen the reports he's been in contact with that often is agent-driven to set up a market, to say almost the agent calling the Heat and saying, hey, let's talk about Russell Westbrook. And then it comes out on one of our great sources, Russell Westbrook has been in conversations with the... No, no, they made a phone call. Who even knows if Pat Riley picked it up? Probably not. Andy Ellisberg, maybe. Adam Simon, possibly. Eric Amsler, you don't know what level they spoke to because it's just getting it out there. I think the Clippers are good. I think the man situation of point guard has actually worked out okay because it gives them length and possibilities and they played very well lately. So I want you, Kurt, to sort of crystallize this as we end our first segment. We'll talk about some of the other Bayard guys after our RedRecover.com first intermission here on Inside the Paint. Your honest interpretation of the Clippers going for Russell Westbrook, based on what you've seen in Los Angeles with the Lakers, sort of give me your take. How did you rate that acquisition, that move for the Clippers? Oh, well, there's
1: two parts to this. First off, I sat in a pre- pregame press conference, you know, around the trade deadline right when we're talking about buyout market guys with Ty Lue's pregame game ramble and they're like what are you looking for he's like well what we really need is and he starts going through we really need a guy who can work a little off the ball who's a good shooter who's a good defender because Kawhi and Paul George are going to theoretically have the ball the most but we need a guy who can do some secondary playmaking and help with that and be a floor general and then he went on to praise Russell Westbrook and kind of look at each other in the press room like you know he just described the anti-Russell Westbrook I'm not sure sure, Um, but I will say this the guys in the locker room wanted him and it wasn't just Paul George. I used to play with him way all the way down the roster. Everybody wanted to bring him in. It's kind of a play. And I think Ty Lue has a soft spot for him uh, going back to their previous relationship. I just think there was a lot of pressure from that end and and they need a spark. They do need something there. They talked about their people are talking about, well, here he can just fit in our system and do this. And I'm like,
0: when does he fit in? When does he fit in anyway? Yeah.
1: Yeah. The Lakers did this. Other teams have done this where you're like, well, if Russ just conforms his game to this box, it'll be, no, it's not going to happen. I think it's, a, I, th- I think, it's going to end poorly, but they're, but I also think they were in a situation where they realize even with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard back and they're playing kind of well, they're not. They're certainly not Phoenix. They're not as talented, even though they haven't come play together. They're not Denver. They probably can't beat Memphis. And they're like, we got to do something. And so they rolled the dice.
0: Started or off the bench for Russell Westbrook with the Clippers?
1: I bet he's starting within within a few games.
0: And just I want you to sort of put Heat Nation fan down here from your perspective. So to close out this opening segment on redrecover.com inside the paint, is there any degree that Kurt Healin, when he looks at the Heat roster, knew they have at a point guard with Kyle Lowry struggling with that knee injury, yeah. with Gabe Vincent starting instead with no true third string point guard? Is there any sense from what you've seen watching Russell Westbrook for two years with the Lakers that he's one that got away from the heat?
1: No, I just I I don't think it's the upgrade is worth the challenges that come with it, because it's not that much of an upgrade over what Kyle's even the limited Kyle is going to do. He Russ pushes the pace. He can still get to the rim and finish a little. He still he he racks up numbers, but guys shooting. I mean, it's true shooting percentage is below 50%. Like, he doesn't generate efficient points at all. He mucks up the spacing as everybody just begs him to shoot from the outside. And the the best part is, at Laker games, when he would stop and line up his feet for a three or even a kind of long two and the the other team's letting him have it, there's like audible gasps in Staples Center where you're like, you hear the whole crowd going, no, 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 no. (laughs) So, yeah, I just – I don't see it being – like. it's just – He's not that much better than Kyle Lowry, if at all. And the challenges
0: uh, are considerable. Fair enough. When we come back after our first break here in redrecover.com, Inside the Paint, we'll round up the rest of the buyout market. We'll go through the Heat roster and what we expect sort of on the rise or on the fall for Heat players over the final 23 games of the season. We'll look at the Easter Conference playoff race. We'll size up the Heat schedule ahead. We got a lot of work ahead of us, Kurt Heelan. That's after this break on redrecover.com, Inside the Paint.